0: Diamond Hollow Books on Main Street in and Andes for some-
1: Alright, good evening. You're listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM, MTC Cable Channel 20, and on the campus of SUNY Delhi at 107.5 FM, also worldwide at WIOXradio.org, and on any mobile smart device if you can run it. This is From the Forest. Every Wednesday, 6 to 7 p.m., we talk about a different forest-related topic. Uh, Tonight, we got Zane and John on here. We are going to talk about a little bit of everything, really. Um, I don't know if you've noticed out there, but the humidity cut today. Yeah, it's 77 degrees with a breeze. It feels like fall's coming. I look in the long-term forecast and I see days in the upper 60s, lows in the high, mid to high 40s. What does that tell me? That uh, I don't care about the calendar date. Yeah, fall's <laughs> coming. <laughs> And I'm getting ready for that. So that means there's a lot of stuff on my mind, like American ginseng. Uh, There's some leaf diseases, unfortunately, popping up. Uh, There's fall fruits to pay attention to. There's deer hunting about to happen soon. So all this stuff I kind of want to touch on tonight.
0: Yeah, sounds good. I know we have our ginseng uh, walk coming up. It's on uh, the 20th.
1: Yeah, Catskill Forest Association is hosting a walk for... We're going to go check out American ginseng, show you it in the woods, in the forest. We're not going to pick it. It's not what we're after, but we're going to talk about its conservation and sustained use, things like that. So uh, we'll spend maybe half of our show talking about ginseng, get you all prepped up about that. But what have you been seeing in the woods? What have I been seeing in the woods? Uh, Have you been in the
0: woods? I've not been in the woods. I've been woods adjacent. Today, I was in a member's property. They had uh, got some chestnut trees from the Chestnut Foundation, so I was helping them plant chestnut trees in their property. Very cool. Uh, Yeah, American chestnut, if you plant those in your property, uh, you'd be a good candidate to uh, have that transgenic chestnut be planted there, and that will help start cross pollinating those two different uh, chestnut species, chestnut types, and uh, hopefully reintroduce the American chestnut back into the forest. Cool cool what kind of site sunny site well drained um i know uh i was looking at before i planted it. i know they they like some shade i think it's like a 30 percent shade really they tend to grow really well they'll grow faster in full sun um but they do like a little bit of shade hmm. they grow well there interesting see i didn't know that i thought they needed full sun They grow faster in full sun, but they'll grow slower in shade, so I've heard. But I know that uh, uh, some sites, they're kind of an understory species sometimes. So just a little bit of shade, um, they benefit from that, too.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I know a spot where it's growing right now, and it's definitely pretty shaded up top. they are old sprouts coming in. Not far from Margaretville. I hike by it regularly.
0: Yeah, you get bare root trees, um, and... uh, You can either plant it with a cage around it or put a tall uh, tree tube around it. Mm With some mulch to keep, uh, tree tube keeps the deer away. Um, But, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, um, what
1: have I seen in the forest so far? I have uh, just started to do some hikes again. I took a break for July, I'll be honest. I don't think I, I mean, I went in the woods, but I didn't go go hiking around like I like to do. No, not too busy. Just, jeez july what are you kidding me yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know you can't you, you,
0: i've noticed you, you don't sweat
1: no i sweat on a walk <laughs> there's no doubt about that i sweat like a hog used you, you're, you're disgusting <laughs>
0: <laughs> i don't know my ancestors i don't know
1: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i went through two shirts last week for a few days that was not fun gross yeah but it's over like i said like humidity is cutting and it's uh it's it's nice. So I saw, I saw a sow with three cubs the other day. It's kind of cute to watch. They were running across the road in front of me. They came up over a rock wall, and the, the sow, she, uh, she obviously made it just fine. But all these three little cubs were, I don't know, the size of terriers, a little bigger maybe. And they kind of jump up over this wall. And first, it takes it takes about— 30 seconds for the whole family to cross the road because the mother's standing in, in the edge of the woods trying to coax them over, but each one doesn't really want to go up over this rock wall. And mm. They finally muster up the courage one by one, and then they tumble down the other side and roll into the road. And Learning the lay of the land. I guess. I mean, I stopped and stopped in traffic. Cars were honking behind me. But <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, know. What, what are you going to do? They're going to get hit. So I just sat there, <laughs> nosed into the road so no one could go by until they all get mm. you know, safely across. It was kind of fun to watch. Mate. But uh, what else? I don't know. I haven't noticed anything totally crazy. Saw a sweet, uh, really cool yellow birch today. Ever see a really old yellow birch? Uh, I don't know what age this happens at, but yellow birch, typically younger, uh, mm-hmm. mid-age, you'll see that peeling, uh, you know, golden, shimmering bark. Bronze color. Yeah, that yeah. distinguishing. When they get really old, it's got to be 120, 150-plus. I'm guessing mm-hmm. it was that type of forest that I went for a walk in. And uh, the yellow birch look like they're kind of resembling old sugar maple. Yeah. They get big, blocky, barked, uh, gray mottleness to them, but they can lose a lot of that golden shimmer.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean, they they break out into these kind of small, uh, scrappy little <laughs> uh, plates uh, that flake off. But, uh, yeah, I've seen old-growth yellow birch with that. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. They do look like an older sugar maple. Yes,
1: yeah, so I saw one of those today. So that was that was cool. I mean, I don't. You can find them, but it's not something you're gonna notice on every hike you go on. Hmm. So,
0: I don't know. Yeah, you're talking about the humidity. Uh, that's been a real big benefit to a lot of uh, uh, fungus diseases on leaves. Yeah, I've noticed that. What's going on? What's going on? Well, I mean, it's uh, the humidity. I mean, you've probably noticed kind of. These foggy mornings we've had, um, rain at night, a lot of uh, moisture sticking to the trees, sticking to the leaves. I mean, that's, that's great for, for fungus, especially with these kind of moderate temperatures we have, around like 65 degrees. That's like perfect for uh, fungus to grow. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you
1: what, Sunday, Monday, when it was hot and humid, I walked across my grass at like, I don't know, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And my shoes got wet. Hmm. Like, the grass was still wet from morning dew. It was disgusting that it was that humid. Anyway, continue.
0: Well, I mean, I've noticed uh, our apple tree out front. That, uh, well, you've told me you notice every year that the apples kind of drop off of it early. Um, but I've noticed a lot of uh, rust on it, symptoms of rust, these kind of orange spots on the leaf itself. If you look real close uh, underneath, you'll see kind of fruiting bodies. So usually rust diseases like cedar apple rust or... Um, uh, other rusts of like like white pines and stuff like that, they'll commonly have two hosts uh for the full life cycle of the fungus. they'll need to go through infect two hosts to complete their life cycle um so yeah, seeing that much rust on a tree um there's probably some sort of uh juniper or evergreen nearby that that rust is sharing a host with but hmm. um, didn't seem too bad on the tree though, so what do you do? you go cut your neighbor's
1: uh cedar down,
0: yeah. Okay. Maybe. Well, I ask first
1: Well, I don't know <laughs> Right? Uh, permission uh, is not easily granted It's easier to ask for forgiveness, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> ask for permission <laughs> But nonetheless, it's an interesting disease You know, uh, a, a good parasite doesn't kill its host um, Apple scab also you see on apple trees um, That benefit from this humidity um, That's an interesting species Because you see on the on the leaf surface sometimes It'll create these kind of uh, brown patches where the fungus has infected, but around that p- brown patch there'll will, will be kind of like a green ring. Most of the leaf will be yellow because um, it's being parasitized, but the parasite will actually kind of create this uh, green ring around its uh, uh, where it's attacking it to kind of uh, keep the tree from um, dying, that, that those leaf cells from dying. So it's actually allowing it to photosynthesize still and, and hmm. feed the fungus. So Creates these kind of green island effects on the on the needle or leaf. So, wow, uh, I think it's pretty interesting.
1: And you're seeing all this right now. Yeah. <clears throat> so, um, what can landowners do? I mean, is it something to really worry about, or just let it play out this year and move on?
0: Yeah, at this time of year, there's nothing really to be done. Um, but uh, come fall, when those leaves are on the ground, just rake them up. Make sure they're not reinfecting the same tree next year. Mm-hmm. So rake up around your tree or, or blow the leaves away, however you can. But uh, if you just let the leaves sit around the tree, um, that's just fungus that's going to end up reinfecting the tree later on. Okay. Um, mulching your trees, too, because mulch will uh, bring a lot of earthworms into the soil, and those will eat the leaves and eat the fungus and help decompose them that way, too.
1: Okay, so mulching is good for a lot of reasons, then. Um, it's
0: easier to prevent than kind of treat. What about proper pruning? Yeah. yeah. And other kind of cultural mm-hmm. techniques. So pruning, uh, thinning out the crown, allowing more airflow, that sure helps.
1: Okay. All right. Well, we'll do. Keep looking. I mean, hopefully our CFA tree, Catskill Forest Association tree. If you want to see this firsthand look on our uh, front lawn at the Catskill Forest Association office, it's getting some of these fungal problems right now. But, hey, it is what it is, right? I don't know. I was hoping we are going to break some of these cycles because we had such a dry summer so far. It's, uh, I was thinking in the last three or four years, since it's been such rainy, wet, damp, we've been seeing these fungal problems over and over and over. Yeah. We get one dry summer, we break that cycle. What do you think? Obviously not.
0: Yeah. I guess that was the test.
1: So we're stuck with it forever then? I
0: don't know. Yeah, spores are always around. I guess uh, just got to plant trees in better places where they can uh, have everything they need to put up a good fight
1: hmm. well so what else is going on in the woods you uh what does your fall look like zan are you very seasonal or cyclic like depression this, <laughs> no i hope not <laughs> no i mean seasonal like for me it's the opposite of depression it's like everything like i'm doing something different in every season it's always mm-hmm. like a defined start stop not like by calendar date but it's like this time of year if you want to go find john this is what he's doing (laughs) you know it could be maple sugaring season it could be uh you know bow hunting Mm. time frame right now like i said the weather's breaking it's perfect i'm anxious to get back up in the woods go for longer walks today i want to try to look for some ginseng for uh, catskill forest associations walk coming up to scout it out um anything like that you know is there something that you look forward to that you consider you know this is your fall this is what's coming up you know something to get excited about
0: Not nothing like that not in particular no if uh to have more free time same old Zane same every, old.
1: every every week week out yeah. see this is probably why people
0: do get see <laughs> like, like a rock
1: you gotta have something to look forward to yeah, yeah.
0: no I look forward to the, to the changing to the transition uh fall colors like everyone else uh a little bit Cooler weather for me, a sweaty guy. You know, cooler <laughs> temperatures. I can. I'm, I'm wearing a t-shirt while everyone's wearing a sweater. It's true. So I like that. But
1: all right, all right. Well, you're gonna you're gonna do something new this year. I heard. Right. You're gonna uh, get your hunter ed certificate, huh? Yeah. Yeah, man. Tell us about that. What? What? So you are uh, a you know a late onset hunter. <laughs> yeah. I was what, diagnosed recently. <laughs> yeah, an adult onset hunter. So what? Most. I mean, that's a serious term, you know. Most people grow up in it, and that's how they kind of fall in or fall out. A lot of kids fall out college time. If they're going to stick with hunting, it either happens then, or they're out and they don't come back.
0: But you're falling into it. What happened? Well, I mean, uh, it's just another reason to get into the woods for me. I mean, if I if I uh, do the training and if I buy the necessary equipment and uh, uh, go out into the woods and try and find a deer, and I'm unlucky. <laughs> uh i wouldn't feel bad about it i wouldn't see it as a failure it could just be another excuse to observe things and uh watch what's going on and uh maybe learn something i didn't know before
1: yeah i agree i mean and like i just said it's just another reason to get it out there and you know provide for yourself and all the all the positive things that come around, along with it but uh it's one one more reason to go for a walk in the woods
0: yeah, my my loose plan is kind of just to take it slow and uh, observe and uh, try and do it as kind of uh, simple as possible. You know, I don't want to just uh, embrace all the gear and all the gadgets that you could buy, but...
1: Uh, <laughs> you can do that. You know, I was talking to someone recently, and they similar to you. They're a little younger, but I think they just got into it You know, for the last two or three years. And he's showing me pictures and his gear and this, and it's like, wow, man, you... You're well beyond me gear-wise, <laughs> yeah. and uh, you just started. I don't think you've kind of even got your toes wet on, on what you're doing yet. So, yeah, say that's good advice is take it slow, take it easy, yeah, figure just, out what you need, what you want, and talk to others.
0: Yeah, learn to use your senses in new ways, not just your uh, you know, your vision, but your sense of smell and sense of direction. And uh, Those, for me, are very strong, so I want to kind of use those and uh, just learn a spot. And, uh, like I said, just observe and, you know, try and be humbled, I guess. That's my kind of goal. Mm -hmm. But if I do catch a deer and uh, go through the whole process of uh, uh, harvesting it and getting uh, venison from it, that would be a bonus. Nice. So, yeah, it's just, for me, a little uh, experiment and just uh, see how far it goes. So the ode to fall. Here it Definitely goes. Definitely be peppering you with questions along the way. That's fine. I'm yeah. happy
1: to be a mentor. Absolutely, I'll take you out. I'll show you some spots. A lot of a lot of people won't do that.
0: Yeah, I feel like I'm pretty close to a, a good resource with you guys. You and Ryan.
1: <laughs> yeah, we uh, you know, we've got a couple years of experience, and it's it's mostly just about observing and paying attention. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a lot of hunting and a lot of anything really. But it's like these subtle little clues kind of help you along the way and tells all together tells the whole story and you'll never figure out the whole story but you know get close enough to make it work
0: i always uh i heard once that somebody defined boredom as is just a failure of attention you know if you're bored it just means you're not paying attention to what's going on Hmm. and so i kind of see hunting that way if if you're out there in a deer stand uh and you're bored and you're you know i haven't gotten any uh, deer that season or if you haven't seen any sign and uh you're kind of regretting the whole thing um i think there's other things out there that you can be paying attention to and looking at signs for and, sure uh, deer's still there go find them yeah i mean i don't know what uh as we're saying you know if, if uh younger hunters have you know it's just falling out of favor if they've gotten bored with it or just not seeing is very stimulating i, I couldn't answer that I don't know. I mean, that could be a whole show.
1: You know, what's the transition? There's, you know, get an older hunter on as well and see their point of view. But, I mean, I'm a young guy, younger guy, looking at, like, my, my father and his generation, the guys he hunts with. I can see the differences. Like, I mean, one thing is access. Like, he used to tell me, he's like, oh, yeah, we didn't ever have to ask. We just went. And... Well, they probably still had to ask then. It was was a different time. Like, if they did run into somebody, it wasn't like some... They probably knew the guy that they're also friends with, and they're like, oh, hey, hey, what's going on? Oh, yeah, deer went that way. I'm over here. Let's go after him, things like that. Now it's like, holy crap, you're on my property. I'm calling the cops, and... Obviously, that could happen at any time, but I think there was more of that leniency mm. when everybody knew everybody, community kind of, uh, you know, community values and uh, social equity. I heard that term in the last week, mm. and it's this, this thought that when everybody knows kind of everybody's in the same community together and, and has, like, uh, where I learned the term, they're talking about you know, social hangouts, Right. You have to have a breakfast place, you know the place where you're gonna find all the seventy year old men having, you know, having coffee at mm-hmm. six thirty in the morning. That has to happen to have a community, and like that keeps building. Like, have a bowl. They said bowling alley, but it could be anything else. You know, some somewhere to recreate and get together uh like a, a theater or something like that and like I never, that's what really builds community and when everybody's utilizing all these things together that's what we call social equity because mm. now going back to this hunting thing i'm just we were just talking about like when you do run into bob the farmer and you know uh it's it's this interaction that's that's more than just you know this is you you doing you i'm doing me and we're going to go separate ways it's now oh you know, let's let's talk about this together. Hey, I really don't want you on my land, but, you know, this and that. And you, go, you can kind of imagine the conversation when you have these strong social ties. Because, well, if Bob, you know, really gets mad at, at Jim, then Jim, well, Jim owns this, then Jim's son does that, and, and Bob's son interacts with Jim's son at their mm. employment. And, and you know, there's all these bonds. It's, it's bigger than this interaction up front. And, yeah, should Jim not have, you know, trespassed? Absolutely not. But should Bob call the cops? Probably not either because mm. now there's this bigger, the bigger issue beyond stepping foot over this imaginary line we call boundary. So, um, anyway, social equity.
0: Yes, like a, because the answer is kind of a lack of a network is what you're saying in these, uh, uh, I don't know, peer-to-peer networks that have kind of, Sprung up organically over time, and if there's nobody, hmm. uh, no other generation to hand that off to, what becomes of these networks? There's so many benefits to them, and yeah. when they're not maintained, there's there's a cost to that.
1: Yeah. So you're asking
0: specifically about
1: you know what's changing in hunting, and I think that's it. I think that's part of it. You know, the whole social equity of hunting is falling to the side, and it's becoming more of a of a loner thing. Hmm. And especially the way I do things, it's like. You know, I, there's only one bad day of hunting to me, and that's the day I run into somebody. I don't want to. I, I, I'm me. I want to do me. I want to go out there and do the thing I'm doing. And I don't really want to run into anybody. That's my time. And I'm actually, you know, kind of considering the day of failure if I walked, you know, 3,000 feet up a mountain and there's another guy sitting there. It's like, well, that's not the reason I did this. <laughs> um, it wasn't really about the deer all along. So I think that was might have been different, you know, in the 80s, 70s. With other guys hunting it's like when they didn't have other types of communication they ran into another guy on the mountain it's like whew, good thing i ran into you <laughs> i just shot a deer back there i gotta get it off this mountain <laughs> yeah you know or it's, you have
0: questions about the terrain the area oh yeah or, or right. i'm lost yeah
1: <laughs> things like that you know huh. i don't know i just think it's a it's all these things have changed and i don't know to some i don't know what's different with generationally like with young hunters old hunters like why that's making things fall out of favor but you know I don't have the same appeal to do you know pursue the hunting tradition that my dad exactly pursued and I know he doesn't want to pursue it the way I pursue it exactly yeah um, getting
0: into hunting you know I'm I'm prepared to uh you know cuz when you Hunt, become a hunter you adopt a code of ethics a different one because it's a new world you're moving in and uh i'm prepared to adopt that code of ethics i'm prepared to be changed by that um but i think the reasons i'm interested in getting into it now uh might not be the reasons that keeps me doing it uh five ten years from now might not be the same reasons that i'm still doing it mm-hmm. um the reasons why i'm doing it will i think subject to change for me and uh I you don't know just based on my experiences with it so I don't know 10 years from now I might have a different reason
1: well I mean we have been doing a show one of these shows on from the forest uh called uh why hunt in you know then the year we've been mm-hmm. doing it for a few years now so when we do why hunt in 2022 you should come on that day we'll talk about uh you know why to why to get into hunting and why we're in hunting and that'd be a great show we could talk about this for an hour but this is from the forest every wednesday 6 to 7 p.m we talk about a different forest related topic usually with ryan and john tonight is john and zane brian's out uh we spent the first half of the show talking about you know gearing up for fall because like it or not summer's ending fall is staring us in the face i can smell it in the air and uh, soon you're gonna be smelling rotting leaves. It's all gonna happen soon. So we're gonna talk about other things that gets our fall going. And this transition time of year is when I start thinking about American ginseng. And uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about ginseng conservation and uh, where it grows, how to find it, and what to do when you see it. All right, you're listening to From the Forest on WIOX 91.3 FM. Uh, that was a little Neil Young, homegrown. Love that song. Zane, that Zane's request tonight, <laughs> so that's what we're going with. I actually still haven't heard it because uh, I turned it down during the break, so I didn't listen to it, but I will oh, listen to it on the way home because I downloaded it. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. All right, so we have been talking here on From the Forest, a little bit of this and that and everything, but the s- inspiration of tonight's show is that... Uh, f- fall's coming it's you know halfway through uh pretty much halfway through august close enough and uh i'm seeing daytime highs in the 60s and low time nighttime lows in the 40s and for me that just sparks fall i don't care about the calendar (laughs) summer's over (laughs) the humidity's broke Yes, we're going to have a few more days, but that's what the seasonality is, right? It's a tug and pull and tug of uh, weather either direction. There's no hard start and stop, but starting to get the tug of fall. So here we go. I'm excited. So this time of year, that tells me, uh, Ryan really introduced me to this. I didn't know much about American ginseng before I met Ryan, but I don't pick it. I've never, I've honestly never picked a plant. Don't care to. No. (laughs) It's just another scavenger hunt. It's another reason to figure out, you know, to be a woodsman. That's one of the reasons why I hunt. It's not a, you know, yeah, of course I want a deer. I, you know, feeds me for a long time. But the whole point for me is mostly about discovering myself and figuring out how to become a woodsman. Because at the end of the day, if I do get a deer, I kind of replay all that and figure out, you think about just how much, you know, went right, but really how much could have gone wrong mm. to make that not happen, and it just really is a more of a boost to your own uh, self interest to to keep going when you realize that you did everything right to make it happen. I knew that deer was i I figured out you know a reasoning for that deer to be there, and I put myself there and I got my butt there, and I intercepted it, and I made it happen same thing with ginseng really it's like <clears throat> it doesn't grow everywhere, and we'll talk about that we'll talk about it a lot, but it's like you know. I went and found it. It's like, today's goal is to go find ginseng. Well, I got my butt up there. I drove up there to the parking area, and I hiked up to whatever thousand feet I thought it was going to be at, and I identified what, uh, you know, what hollow I think it was going to be with what aspect of the hill it was facing, and I put myself there, and I found it. Or not. Today, I didn't.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you had a strategy. You had a plan. Uh, You knew where to look. But sometimes, yeah, there's a little bit of chance. There's an element of luck to it. I mean, just maybe that it.
1: deer walked through five minutes before me and browsed that ginseng mm-hmm. off, and I'm never going to find it. Or there's a shanger out there that picked it
0: illegally early.
1: <clears throat> that could happen.
0: Shanger, shanger. It's a term not many people have heard before.
1: Oh yeah, so um, it's a common term for someone who he who picks ginseng is commonly jargon will refer to him as a shanger. Shanger, right? You know, if you have someone doing math, it could be called a tweaker. Oh, I see. Got it. Now you get it. analogous situation. <laughs> it's hopefully sort, not the same person. Sort of like a poacher, <laughs> someone who who might illegally take a deer mm-hmm. is called a poacher. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't call a shanger. or I wouldn't. I don't want. I just use two terms that are kind of analogous to illegal activity. Someone who picks ginseng is doing nothing illegal as long as they follow the rules and the laws, right? Um, yes, he who takes deer is a hunter. Mm. That's a better one. <laughs> legally so maybe we'll talk about that uh there is a picking season for ginseng uh legal picking season there's legal ways to go and pick it you can't do it on some properties you state-owned land you can't pick it for commercial use uh things like that but so what is american ginseng um ancient herb it's an ancient herb aren't they all (laughs) this one's just got some attention um if you pick up a sports drink, a trendy drink, it's probably it says with ginseng, right? Um, it's usually Oriental ginseng, mm. um, cultivated Oriental ginseng. If it's anything in a product you're buying, um, wild ginseng. So there's there's Oriental ginseng, there's American ginseng. Obviously, Oriental ginseng is in the Asian market, grows in Asia, um, but that's what's driving you know driving it driving the prices. Uh, and ginseng has pretty much been pink to extinction. When it is still find, found, it can sell for, if it's, if it's found at all, I hear it can sell for over $20,000 an ounce. Hmm. That's how much it's gone. And that's how much in demand it is. But CITES protects the, which is the Treaty for International Trade of Plants and Animals. I don't know the whole acronym. CITES. CITES. Protects, um, is protecting ginseng, right? So American ginseng has kind of been saved, right? We have rules. we probably been saved more, more so by private land ownership than anything else. You can't go on someone else's land and go pick ginseng, so that's saving it more than anything else. But um, American ginseng is still worth a lot if it's wild-grown, meaning out in the woods. No one cultivated this; it grew naturally and wild. Um, green prices go for like four to six hundred dollars a pound here in in America, hmm. which is still pretty good. But you're picking the root a dry root dries out to just a couple ounces so it still takes a bit
0: to get you 400 bucks so what what makes it so valuable is it is it it's uh, the compounds found in it or if it's just it's uh, so, how long it takes to mature yeah so I don't I don't know fully it's more about a belief system
1: right mm. so uh, in an Asian market on uh, the Chinese market mostly, Uh, ginseng has, it's, it's, well, really, they're called, um, ginsenocides. I know you think I just made that up, (laughs) (laughs) but there is, that is the active ingredient deemed to ginseng is ginsenocides. Ginsenocides. So, um, what the molecular composition of that is, I have no idea, but maybe I...
0: It's a compound unique to ginseng, hence the name, ginsenocides. Right, correct.
1: Um... So, yeah, so like I said, it's more mostly the Asian market that's buying this, this ginseng. But there's uh, a belief system where the yin and the yang, right, the up, the high and the lows, the uppers and the downers. Well, the Oriental ginseng might have more of the yins and the American ginseng has more of the yangs. Um, I don't know which is which. I, sh- I-, I really should have known that. But um, I do know because I have tasted ginseng leaves before. And that's one thing that I do um, do like to do. Right? When I do find it and it's an illegal picking season, I don't pick the root. I want that root to be there for the future, mm. but uh, I will take a leaf.
0: A little volunteer be, sample.
1: Of a little sample because I will tell you, you pick and chew on a ginseng leaf, and it gives you about a 30, 20 to 30-minute rush. Yeah, And it's like it's needed for where you have to go to find ginseng because you've probably just ascended over 1,000 feet from wherever you parked to even get into a ginseng Ginsingable, shangable location hmm. um and to get back home or to get to the next spot a little rush feels good It's just a short-lived stimulant i would say it's equal to about the most potent cup of coffee you've ever had for about 20 minutes but you don't get like the coffee like you know jittery like and the crash too it's just like you got a rush it's like i want to go up that mountain i'm gonna go up that mountain we're doing it let's go who's coming I hope everybody. <laughs> let's go. <laughs> that was. That's kind of it, and then it fades away, and you know. Huh. So that's what I like about it. It's like the reward, you know, um, above and beyond. It's just hey, I found it. So, um, yeah, it's thought ginseng. Back when all of the continents were one, Pangaea, right? We've learned that in our geology class yeah. back in ninth grade, right? Um, all these 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 continents used to be one. You know, that's how far we're dating back ginseng. That's why we can f- still find it in Asia and America. But it does have slightly, you know, that's a different uh, scientific name.
2: Yeah,
0: continents split, and you had the same genus, but uh, uh, two uh, lineages. Um, yeah. so, so ginseng
1: in the Chinese culture is referred to meaning like man because when you do pull the root out and you see pictures of of the root it looks like a naked man <laughs> wrinkly old man <laughs> if you you know squint one eye and look just right i guess um so yeah so uh, likeness of man um i don't know i don't i don't know the properties of that but um it's about a three million dollar industry per year this this ginseng product um Some of these these towns uh in the northeast and the whole Appalachian Trail and in New York as well. I know um Moravia, New York had a a history of in the Finger Lakes region of growing uh of cultivated ginseng. Mm -hmm. I think the Catskills had some of that as well, but um used to be a cash crop. Uh takes three to four years to grow but it was erected shade mats because the forests were mostly cleared at that time mm-hmm. we're talking you know 1800s 17 1800s now and um <clears throat> so they would they were to um uh, put up uh, they're not tents but they're trellis systems mm-hmm. and create artificial shade because this this plant which is you know what's so unique about it is it has to grow under a shaded environment uh so that we'll we'll get into later you know where we find it and why but um yeah so to grow it uh, I've seen it grown at people's houses before in their flower beds, but it's got to can't be in your garden, typically your tomatoes your tomato gardens out in your yard in your full sun your ginseng gardens uh, maybe on the, the shady side of the house uh, where it only gets maybe 30 40 an hour of sun a day yeah, so it needs that shade then I guess so yeah. so also what's unique about ginseng is its longevity. Um, It's common to grow 50 or more years, and records show individual plants can grow up to about 100 years. Commonly not. Typically, you know, if you do dig up a plant, what we know this by, they create a bud scar every time that root erupts a new frond, Mm. the the leafing portion. Uh, So you can count the scars, like counting rings on a tree, and date back how many years that frond has grown off of that.
0: Yes, one like, uh, well, I guess like trees that are woody perennials. Ginseng is a herbaceous perennial. Um,
1: It is an herbaceous perennial. What's cool about it is it actually can go dormant on stressful years. So if there is uh, something, maybe um, maybe the tree above it died and created um, abnormal sunlight conditions on the forest floor that it can't grow under, it needs that shade, it can go dormant for up to like seven years. That's enough time for the canopy to, above it to maybe close back over again. Um, if it's a droughty year or a wet year, it, the conditions just aren't right. Um, it's known to go dormant.
0: Yeah, cause it's putting all that energy into its in its little tuber, its, its root system. Um, yeah, so it's got that storage system that it can uh, uh, rely on yeah. when things change.
1: So, uh, yeah, it's got about a 4,000-year-old history of medicinal use. Um, this plant, we're talking ginseng here, this erupts in May, just like most other plants, under the forest floor. Flowers in summer, fruits in late summer. Now, so this is uh, one of the unique things about it is the, the berries are just starting to turn red in the next, if it's not happening now, it's going to be happening in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. And by September, when the picking season, the legal picking season begins, I don't I didn't look up the exact dates. It's mid-September to mid-November. Look it up yourself. It changes every so often, so... Um, anyway, uh, part of the law for picking is you have to, you can only pick a plant that has red berries on it, ripe red berries. And you have to immediately plant the seeds of those berries into the ground where you took the mother plant from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you're, you're, you know.
0: Re- yeah, because it's very site specific. You know, there's, there's got to be a, uh, a, a lot of different things happening at a site for it to kind of thrive. Um, So if it's growing well at that site, you want to perpetuate it. So you throw those seeds nearby. Yeah. And uh, hopefully new ginseng plants will take.
1: I've heard of shangers. Back to shangers. Back to shangers are some of the lead propagators. Because when they find ginseng, you know, people blame shangers for the reason why you can't find, you know, where ginseng, uh, you know, might be extirpated from a certain area. Mm. Well, they picked it all. Well, you know, if someone's making their income off this, do you think they really want to pick it all? Mm-hmm. You know, they want to go back next year and pick more, because that's next year's income. So, uh, you know, the history, the kind of the folk history, says a good shanger will put his seeds into the root, into the root crevices of the trees around it. Mm-hmm. So, if there's a big sugar maple or a big ash tree there, they'll poke those seeds down into the where those um, root flares come together up into the crotch of the tree. So when the ginseng erupts and grows, no one can dig it. It grew down into underneath the root of the, the larger tree and it's protected now. Huh. So now you've got a mother plant to keep casting more seed, right? Huh. That's the theory behind it. And I have found, I don't know if it's coincidence, probably more coincidence to a chipmunk putting seeds in there. But I don't know. Who knows? Maybe it was a shanger. I've found ginseng growing out of uh, root crevices.
0: Yeah, well, I've read that, you know, it is, the berries are uh, uh, eaten a lot by critters, by deer, by birds. Um, I've talked to people doing cultivated
1: ginseng operations on large scale. They say the number one problem of uh, seed not germinating is from chipmunks. hmm. So, anyway. So where does ginseng grow, Zane?
0: Well, I know it likes uh, shade. Well, I got shade in my backyard. Yeah. Why is there no ginseng? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Shangers. <laughs> Shangers. coming mm-hmm. through the property. Um, yeah, so I think uh, from what I've read, it likes these uh, uh, sp- uh, fertile, cool, moist forest soils. You talked about sugar maple. Sugar maple mm-hmm. loves those types of soils. Um, well-drained, but, you know, there's a, usually a, a, a seep nearby, some sort of spring provide nice cool uh water that you know uh doesn't uh stick around it it drains away and it's it it's uh provides this nice kind of uh site where uh, a nice cool root can incubate you got
1: it so (laughs) (laughs) yeah so one thing you're missing though is those are the conditions it can grow in but why i mean like i said my backyard has that i've got i've got a nice sugar maple there well drained a lot of moisture comes i've got water problems behind my garage drainage issues just mm. moist perfect i've actually thought of you know putting a little plot back there if i can i might buy see i might do it I Might buy some seeds and plant some because i think it would grow great the issue is uh the one you know the predators mm. the beyond the shangers the bigger predator problem And that's the herbivorous predator, right? Uh, The uh, white-tailed deer. Mm. So, yes, I have seen ginseng browsed by deer. So you can't tell me they don't. So, I I mean, I think that's got to be it. Why why do you only see it um one thing we didn't talk about is the common you commonly don't see it until you get above 2000 feet in elevation mm. really even higher is where i start finding it like 22 24 26 sometimes 28 you get a little higher than that you're starting to change forest types again once you get up to 3000 3200 you might be getting more into a you know cherry component up top or higher than that some stunted trees at a ridge top with yellow birch uh eventually transitioning into uh, uh, spruce and fir when you get higher than that. So I say those ranges because you're right in the heart of sugar maple right there uh, at that elevation. So why are we picking it up until we lose the sugar maple is because, well, what do deer do all winter long? And really all year long. They don't have a big reason to be at the top of the mountain. There's a reason why we think we have an overpopulation deer problem around our houses is because well they're not equally distributed across the landscape they're around our houses so you get up higher in elevation you have less deer so you naturally start getting things growing that deer would normally eat like ginseng Mm. so one of the key indicators we'll talk about indicators of you know the site you're in we talked about kind of the broad scale forested areas but um northerly slopes doesn't have to be due north but northeast northwest North, uh, I've seen it grow in a couple other directions, but that's most common. Northerly slopes, cool, drained, dark sugar maple forest. But what's usually growing underneath there is other sugar maple, regenerating sugar maple. Uh, why is that important to note? Is that because no one's out there picking sugar maple like they're picking ginseng. Mm. But I also don't find sugar maple behind my house.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What's, what's the difference? dear man deer man <laughs> deer man yeah that's right no the uh, the deer sugar maples can eat a deer you cannot grow a sugar maple with uh deer around without a fence mm. just can't happen without some type of it doesn't have to be a literal wire fence but an exclusion of some sort like a treetop can be a fence mm-hmm. um a rock that's kind of preventing a deer not the deer can't go to these areas they just naturally don't. That's why we get some sugar maple growing in the lower elevations, but it's not everywhere, especially since we have this dense maple canopy above us. There should be seeds and seedlings all over the place, mm-hmm. but there's not. So, once you start going up the mid slopes and you get higher in elevation, what do you start to notice? You get sugar maple growing. It's like, "Oh, okay, what's going on?" So, um, so you've got a companion species. Other companion species might be maidenhair fern um blue cohosh white mm-hmm. berry, all these you know get a book out and start looking at some of these species i just mentioned and when all this starts coming together and you see all these companion species start looking mm-hmm. um you're probably not far away from at least where ginseng can grow i don't can't guarantee it's there mm-hmm. um it's not hard or it's not easy to find either it's like one of those things you got to get your uh, your eyes tuned to it's mm-hmm. weird it's hardest to Really hard to find a plant, but then once you find a plant, it's like, oh, there's another one, there's another one. Your eyes just somehow like
0: key in on it. Yeah. Yeah, um ginger is also an indicator plant. Yeah, wild ginger. Didn't mention that one. Uh what are common uh uh mistaken plants people think is
1: is ginseng? Uh well the most common one's gonna be wild sarsaparilla Mm -hmm. So the difference there, so they look it's very similar in the way they grow. So the ginseng plant and sarsaparilla grow up as a frond. They come out as one stem and then emerge into a, a trifolia, a three, uh, three-pronged. Um, this is called a, a, a prong, um, is, the, is the leaf. So uh, the difference between the two is sarsaparilla is going to be pinnately low, still going to have five leaflets. But they come out along the stem mm-hmm. to their own central point, to their own point. Um, versus ginseng is palmately lobed. I think of like a palm of your hand with mm-hmm. five leaflets coming to one central point, like the palm of your hand. Mm-hmm. So that's the most common. Um, I don't know. I've had people tell me
0: they show me pictures of raspberry and say, "Well, I found ginseng." Yeah, blackberry. Yeah, also has kind of that uh, palmately. It does, but it's, it's, it's
1: different. Of. I mean. I don't know. I guess if you're looking at it all the time, which I, mean, I don't even look at it all the time. I just seen enough. It's like, no, that's not. Yes, that is. And eventually you'll get there. But um, when the uh, raspberry plant first erupts, it might, you know, be small enough to look like
0: ginseng. Yeah, toothed leaf margins mm-hmm. kind of get uh, wider towards the tip of the leaf. So, what forest
1: type? If you walk me up, what I tell you, just keep walking. You know, you're not going to find
0: it here. What forest type yeah uh, well I mean uh, oak hickory forest yep. that's for sure Yep. Uh, dry rocky outcrop somewhere um, lower slopes uh, and it could I'm it not could speed. Gonna find it in swamps or boggy areas like that
1: yeah yeah but what if you know what if you were on that north slope and you think you're in the right direction you're at 22 2300 feet but it's just not sugar maple why would I tell you to keep walking What's around?
0: Um, other indicator plants.
1: Well, what I'm might not be, uh, you know, there that I am going to be happy to see is is probably something that indicates higher deer pressure, like uh, <clears throat> like American Beach. Mm. You know, maybe you have uh, maybe you guys still have a maple overstory, but it's not dominated. There is some beach in the midstory, and then the understory is loaded with beech. There is fern everywhere. Yeah, that's I am out. I am walking. See you. Hope you can catch up because I am i'm walking fast because i'm i know it's not even close to here i gotta keep
0: going yeah fern fern hay <laughs> hey, scented fern those are indicators of something else going on yeah exactly uh, more deer high eyebrows pressure
1: yep exactly so ginseng's not going to be there now that it can't grow there because maybe we're still on our our aspect ratio is good or our aspect rather um so yeah so those are kind of where to point you in the right direction um other than that, I'm not going to hold your hand to get there. Unless you come to the Catskill Forest Association's walk, the Zane's going to lead on August 20th. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's full, though, so sorry. Maybe next year. We did cap it.
0: Mm.
1: Just can't have too many people in the woods. It's too too hard.
0: Yeah, if we don't find any, uh, we'll at least find the right indicator plants. We'll learn about uh, all these uh, things we've been talking about. So um, just a quick recap of the rules. It's September through November.
1: The specific dates, please look up yourself. Uh, I don't know if the DEC changes those every year or not. Um, the um, If you're going to sell any, you have to sell to uh, a licensed, um, somebody that's licensed. You don't have to be licensed to pick it, but you have to be licensed to sell it. So sell it wholesale. You have to sell it to somebody who is licensed. Um, to pick it, you have to have a mature plan. How do you know if you have a mature plan? It has to have at least three prongs, so three Compound leaf structures i guess Mm -hmm. is the best way to put that not the leaflets don't be looking at three little leaflets because that could be a one-year-old plant we're looking for plants with at least three prongs that means it's at least three years old Mm -hmm. they can't they get those prongs in linear fashion uh they can get up to four and that's it usually only have three so even a 40 year old plant's gonna have three or four um it has to have um those red ripe seeds you have to plant immediately into the soil um, and you can't do any commercial harvesting on stay land. So that's, you know, that's where I like to go to go find it. You know, I got endless, was seemingly endless for my time frame, land to walk on. And, uh, no one can be up there picking it legally. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, you're always going to have someone doing something wrong, but at least I have a chance to find it. And that's my scavenger hunt. I go find it and I walk home.
0: So what do you think about ginseng, eh? Well, I hope to find some one day. Um, yeah, I hope to have that little, uh, <laughs> A sample and get a little sense of what ginseng is all about <laughs> those ginsenosides.
1: so it's the, the the main kick about it it's supposed to be an adaptogen mm-hmm. so one of these uh, one of these herbs that allows your body to adapt to its environment to its uh, immune system a little better be more in tune with itself and uh, it doesn't cure anything but it's an, an overall health booster immune booster at least that's the
0: thought hmm. right? Yeah, I wonder how well it's been studied. Um, I don't know. I wonder biochemically what's actually going on with an adaptogen. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's the placebo effect. Very strong placebo, which is also, you know, effective. But
1: I yeah, know. I don't know. I don't know. that. Uh, we'll have to get a, uh, a chemist. Yeah. Chemist on the show. All right, well, we got a few minutes left, so... Um, what do you want to talk about coming forward? I guess uh, a big, a big uh, I want to give a big shout-out because coming up next and who's going to be proceeding from the forest uh, for the foreseeable future is uh, a longtime guest of from the forest. I think he's been on the show at least five times, probably more, is uh, Hoppy Quick. I know he's a, a local legend of the Catskill Mountains uh, and beyond. But uh, he's got a show that was uh, inspired, and we're going to talk about this later, but he was inspired by something that was brought up on From the Forest a little bit, and he wants to make that his show. Mm -hmm. And his show is called Local People. And uh, that's going to be coming up next, uh, starting at seven. So stay tuned for that. It's Catskill
0: people, actually.
1: Our Catskill oh, people. i got to
0: see some hands waving. Oh me man! See,
1: I already screwed up. So he's gonna—he's <laughs> sitting here behind me about to smack me. So he's gonna come on. Catskill at, people at seven o'clock to talk Catskill people, and he'll be proceeding from the forest. So. Um, stay tuned. Instead of uh, making every Wednesday six seven party your your routine, now you got to make every Wednesday six to eight p.m. party routine. And listen to Hoppy Quick. Yeah, I'll have a lot of stories, a lot of things to talk about. Yeah. Well, and uh, even big teaser for you. We're gonna be his first guest. So, oh yeah. Well, we're gonna stick on. Um, we're gonna end our show here. The next. Thirty seconds or so, and uh, stay tuned because we're going to talk to Hobby Quick a little bit about his show and uh, what he's got going on, what to what to look forward to. So he tells yeah. us all about that. So, all right, everyone, this has been from the forest every Wednesday, six to seven p.m. We talk about a different forest-related topic on WIOX ninety-one point three FM in your local Catskill Mountains. Um, that's all I got for you tonight. Tonight, we if you missed the show, we talked about a little bit about ginseng, a little bit about what. You know, gets us fired up about the fall, and uh, the fall's here, guys. Yeah. All right. Good night, everyone.
0: Have a good night.
2: Oh, the neon lights were flashing, and the icy wind did blow. The water seeped into his shoes, and the drizzle turned to snow. His eyes were red, his hopes were dead And the wine was running low And the old man came home From the forest His tears fell on the sidewalk As he stumbled in the street A dozen faces stopped to stare But no one stopped to speak For his castle was a hallway And the bottle was his friend, and the old man stumbled in from the forest. Up a dark and dingy staircase, the old man made his way. His ragged coat around him, as upon his cot he lay, and he wondered how it happened that he'd ended up this way, getting. Did appear Upon his mantle Shining the face Of one so dear Who'd loved him In the springtime Of a long forgotten year When the wildflowers Did bloom In the forest She touched His grizzled fingers And she called him By his name Then he heard the joyful sound of children at their games In an old house on a hillside in some forgotten town